Hi, this is Nicholas and Jacob, and you're listening to I Had No Idea. Yeah, I was going to jog before you got here, uh, unannounced. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I told you I was coming. No, absolutely not. I was like, hey, you can come at five today if you want. And then, did I just ignore that? No, I replied. You were asking about why the meeting I had originally got canceled. Okay, so I guess in my brain, I replied. You've convinced me not to exercise. No, I think you should go. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's just good to get exercise, but you'll sweat double the amount. Okay. But you have two water bottles, so that's good. All right. (laughs) Double hydration. Yeah, that's right. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Like, I'm ready to start this podcast. Hey. I've been waiting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry. I thought we would jam a little bit. All right. Uh, So I have a topic here today from a fan, a listener. Whoa. Yeah, a listener. Well, we got a listener? Yeah, we got a listener. Let's go. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Her name is Jen. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jen. So this is from Jen. She was asking, why is our head hair and our body hair so different? And how does hair know when it's been shaved or trimmed? Mm, does it like know? yeah like when you like you know shave like let's say your beard like that's the one i'm familiar with i don't i don't know your, your little whiskers Shit. right because it's sometimes it feels like or you know what a better example is your arm hair actually right so let's say you shaved your arm hair sure it kind of you you kind of get the sense that when you shave it that it suddenly knows that it should grow again because it's the same length all the time mm-hmm it doesn't look like it's growing ever, right. but once you shave it and it starts to grow back, you're like, oh, I guess the hair kind of has senses or something right. and it knows when to grow back yeah, after yeah. you shave it. Right. Is that what happens or is there some other mechanism behind it that gives you kind of like that illusion? So right. that's what I want to look into. And the right. third question I want to ask is, why do we have so little body hair anyways? Right, mm-hmm. we have so much head hair. Uh-huh. But humans have so little body hair, and I don't know why. Why did we kind of become that way? I feel like I know some people with lots of body hair, though. Yeah, and but like you know, not but so much head. Like relative head hair. to primates, though. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. When you say it like that. Yeah. Like, why did we evolve to have so little body yeah. hair? So, three questions, really. Why is our head hair and our body hair so different? Why does our hair seem to know when it's been shaved or trimmed? Mm-hmm. And the third question is, why do we have so little body hair? Okay. So those are my topics today. Okay, great. Yeah, okay. man. Hair. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm interested. All right. Well, for my topic, uh, if you didn't know this about me, but I'm sure you do, my Korean name is Pekdusan. Oh, right? yeah. And that mountain. Apparently, for whatever reason, Korean old ladies freak out um, when they find out that I have this name. For those of you who don't know why they would freak out, it's because apparently it's a really famous mountain in Korea. Historically, it's been considered uh, sacred and it's also in the national anthem. And so for a lot of people, it's kind of a big deal. Isn't it a North Korean mountain? Yeah. Uh, I think this was like when Korea was unified. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. But you were named obviously after the Korea split. Yeah, I'm sure my parents were well aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
<laughs> Anyways, my topic isn't on Pektu Mountain itself, but it segues me into a question of how exactly are mountains formed? Mm. And what are the different types of mountains? And is, is, that... a, is a hill a mountain? <laughs> <laughs> so philosophical. Yeah. It's like our question. Yeah. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Mm. Mm, it turns right. out it is. Turns is out it? Oh, it, yeah, is. it is. It is. Yeah, right. officially. I'm really disappointed by that. I don't think it is still. <laughs> like, like a hill is not a mountain. Come on. It could be to an ant. <laughs> it's all about perspective my friend true true all right yeah there's like a giant out there who looks at mountains and it's like that's not even a mountain <laughs> that's a bump on the ground it's a pothole yeah wait potholes are po opposite po po Whoops. <laughs> why did i say yeah yeah we're kind of fried it's the heat it's the heat i don't have that excuse i just told everyone i well, didn't I just go came outside for the heat, so i have that excuse <sighs> all right well with that we are gonna take a break do our research and we'll be right back all right jacob i got another fun fact for you oh, today man, on i this love break. these you love these he's brightening up my week we've only done one so far so i guess I mean, you I love really the love the that one fun fact. <laughs> i love the one that we did amazing all right so today's fun fact it's that cabbage brussels sprouts kale broccoli and cauliflower cauliflower <laughs> Sorry, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kale, broccoli, and cauliflower are all from the same plant called the Brassica oleracea, oleracea, Brassica oleracea, or the wild mustard plant. <laughs> what mustard? Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird, right? Is that right? what mustard is from? I'd be... Honestly, I, I don't know. This is just a fun fact that I pulled. Okay. Uh, anyways, really cool. these new vegetables, new in quotation marks, were developed by farmers over generations and generations, repeatedly selecting produce that had the desirable traits that they wanted. And this process is called artificial selection. Okay. Yeah, that's the fun fact. Oh, wow. So they're all from this bush, this tree? This what? little, no, like a plant, like it grows like in the flower. Ground. Like, I, I don't know, man. I did, I did very little all digging. the pictures, man. <laughs> I hate this. All right. That was so fun. Thank you. <laughs> and we are back yes hey jacob that was a pretty fun fact oh man i'm blown away at how much fun i had you're so sarcastic you know what <laughs> next week you do the fun fact i thought it was cool no i thought it, i thought it was cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> i agree with you i don't believe you that was all good, right man. i didn't know that and now i do know okay I'll go first today. Okay, all right. Yeah, is that cool? Yeah, man. All right. So, why is our head hair and our body hair so different? And why does it seem like our hair knows mm. when it's cut so it starts to grow? Yeah. The answer is actually pretty simple once you realize that all hair and fur grow in a cycle. And there are three phases. Whoa. There's the antigen phase or the growth phase to start. In this phase, the protein root in the hair follicle it accumulates cells that form into a rope-like structure, okay. and that's our hair. Okay. So the scalp's blood supply is actually feeding the follicle, and it allows the cells to divide more and more. And as long as the growth phase lasts, your hair will continue to grow at about a rate of a half inch a month. Oh. As new cells form, those new cells in the follicle will push the older cells up and through the scalp. The older cells then die, 
and form what we know as hair. So your hair is all dead cells. Oh, yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. You're learning that for the first time, Jacob? Yeah, all right, all right. yeah I'm learning that for the first time. <laughs> Just because like, when people are like, oh my gosh, my hair is so dead. It, yeah, it technically it, is. The technic they're, they're right. Yeah, they're right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But I guess they're saying like it's extra dead. Extra dead. It's wow. like, dang. Wow, dang. <laughs> like times two dead. <laughs> yeah, double dead. <laughs> double dead. Yeah. The older cells, like I said, they, they will die. And around 80 to 90% of our hair is in this growth phase at any given time. Okay. Cool. At least in our, on our heads. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. The second phase is called the catagen phase or the transitional phase. This next phase, it's where the hair follicle withers and the hair strands detach from the blood supply. The hair then gets pushed further up as the follicle shrinks, but the hair strand itself is technically no longer growing. It's just getting pushed up. Oh, okay. This transitional phase is relatively short in the scope of a hair's life cycle, typically only lasting two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. Again, this is specifically for your head hair. Head, head Body hair, hair, it's a little bit shorter than that. Okay. What about facial hair? Sorry, I just said that. Oh, no idea about facial hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, like okay. there's different types of hair all over your body. Your head hair is different from your facial hair, and that's different from your right. uh, like chest hair, sure. which is different from your pubic hair, etc. Oh. Your eyebrows are different. Oh. So every depending on the type of hair it is, it'll have different lengths of time or spend different lengths of time in each of these phases. Mm. This cool. last phase is called the telogen phase or the shedding phase. So this is where the follicle rests and the existing hair strand either falls off on its own or it's pushed out by a new hair strand. In this phase, it's actually starting to prepare its, uh, the new hair right. to come in. And as it's preparing, sometimes it kind of forces the old hair to fall off, pushing it out. Right. The shedding phase usually only lasts a few weeks for body hair and around three months for head hair. And in case you're curious, we shed around 100 hairs per day on average. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So to review, the hairs start in a growth phase where the follicle is very active and the hair is growing. Then it goes into a transitional phase where the hair is technically no longer growing, but continues to get pushed out the scalp. And then the cycle ends with the shedding phase where the follicle is at rest and the existing hair strand falls off to make room for a new one. So I'm guessing the cycle is different for each hair follicle because if it were all happen at the same time, you would be bald. You would be bald. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like the shedding phase, only around 3% of your hair, 2 to 3% of right. your hair is in the shedding phase where yeah. it's falling off. So it doesn't happen all at the same time. Oh, okay. And every follicle is in a different right. part of the phase. Right. Yeah. Or cycle rather. Mm -hmm. So what do these three phases have to do with anything? How does this answer the question of, you know, why is our head hair and our body hair so different? And why does it seem like our hair knows when it's been shaven or trimmed? Uh, well, the maximum length of your hair depends on how much time it spends in each of these three phases. Depending on the hair uh, and the location of the hair, it will spend different amount of time in the growing phase in particular. So for example, your head hair is in the growth phase for roughly three to five years, while Whoa. your body hairs are in the growth phase for just a few weeks. Oh. So because your head hair grows for so long, most of us don't know the max length of our head hair because before it gets there, we usually get Cut haircuts. It, right. yes. Meanwhile, the maximum length of our body hair, like our arm hair, is more observable because the lifespan of our body hair is so short. It grows for a few weeks, then it chills for another few weeks, and then it falls off on its own. So it's a misperception that all hairs grow perpetually 
and last for years like our head hair. Right. The truth is, is that our arm hair, for example, just it falls off within a month and a half or so. Oh. Yeah, so it's not that our body hair knows when to stop growing necessarily. It just can't grow more than a few centimeters long before dying. Mm. And then once you shave it off, the next hairs come in relatively quickly right. since the cycle is so short anyways. Right. Yeah, so your hairs don't have brains in them. They don't have a yeah, sixth yeah. sense. It's just the way your body's designed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. The next question I wanted to answer uh, is why humans have so little body hair. Mm. So our best guess today is that it has to do with evolution. Uh, therefore, we have to look at how much energy our body consumes to produce hair and also look at what hair even does for us in the first place to figure out why we evolved the way we did. Namely, why do we have so much hair on our heads and so little on our bodies and our face? First, let's look at how much energy growing hair consumes. So according to Thomas Dawson, a researcher from the ASTARS Institute of Medical Biology, hair growth is an energy intensive process. Whoa. He says it takes about 670 kilojoules or 160 calories of energy just to grow one gram of hair. So to put that into perspective, that's the equivalent of doing a six minute intense exercise that involves both your arms and your legs. So like six minutes of like burpees, for example. Whoa. Yeah. So human hair, it also grows at an average rate of about two meters per hour in total. So like out of, if you get all the hairs we have mm -hmm. in our bodies and you measure how much it grew within an hour, mm. you're gonna see that your hair grew in totality by two meters Whoa. so we're growing two hair two meters of hair every hour so we're constantly expending this energy right uh, and for me it's probably like 20 meters per hour because yeah. i'm like pretty hairy yeah, yeah, yeah so maybe that explains why i'm like tired oh. all the time <laughs> i don't know like i take so many naps i don't know that's a stretch bro <laughs> but jokes aside imagine if like your hair covered your entire body right mm. uh, that's just a lot of energy for just hair so you can see why there may be a biological bias towards not having hair wherever possible right but hair serves a purpose right or else why would we grow any at all now that we know hair growth is an energy intensive process we have to look at what hair does now to figure out why humans have so little body hair so hair has three primary functions for humans first Hair protects us from direct sunlight. Second, it helps to keep us warm when it's cold. Mm -hmm. And third, it's for attraction and mating. So let's go through each of these functions one at a time and try to figure out why humans have naturally selected to have full heads of hair and so little body hair, while keeping in mind that hair is energy intensive to grow. Right. So first we'll talk about hair protecting us from sunlight. So humans are one of the few bipedal animals on the planet. This means that we walk upright on two legs, which makes it so that our heads get way more direct sunlight than any other parts of our bodies. Right. Because of this, it's not as important for us to have hair on, say, our backs, arms, or legs for sun protection. Plus, we wear clothes. Yes, humans have been wearing clothes for an estimated 170,000 years now, making body hair that much more unnecessary. Right. Yeah, at least when it comes to protecting us against the sun. Yeah, yeah. Next, let's talk about how hair protects us from the cold. So when it's cold, what happens to our skin, Jacob? Uh, it gets bumpy. 
Yeah, yeah, you got goosebumps. Go. <laughs> you get a gold got, star, yeah, Jacob. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Teach. So when we get cold and get goosebumps, it causes our hairs to actually stand more upright. Mm. So if you have arm hair, this is something you've definitely observed on yourself. Whenever you get goosebumps, your hair stands just straight up. And that's true for all hairs, wherever you get goosebumps. And when your hair stands up, it becomes poofier and it becomes a better insulator of hot air. Conversely, when hair is flat, hot air can easily escape and that body heat is immediately lost. Wow. It might be useful to think about it like blankets. Yeah. So a uh, fluffy, thick blanket, it will trap heat more mm -hmm. than a thin and flat one. Right. Right? Okay. So, you know, the thin and flat ones you use for yeah, summer, you yeah, don't trap yeah, too much heat. They're yeah. kind of just there for comfort, really. Right, right. Yeah, that's what flat hair is like. And okay. that's why goosebumps are useful oh. for protecting us against the cold. So hair is not just this unresponsive mass of dead proteins on our heads. They react to ambient temperature and the environment around us to help keep us warm. So if hair keeps us warm, why not have it all over our bodies too? Right. right? That sounds like it would be useful. Perhaps having bald bodies made us more effective hunters. Being bald meant not having to run with the weight of the hair or having to run with all that air resistance that mm. hair brings. Mm. And the baldness would actually help us with sweat evaporation. Right. Sweat evaporates three to five times faster on bald skin than hairy right, skin. Right, right, right. Uh, and this gives us the ability to stay cooler than our prey during long pursuits. So perhaps it was more critical for human survival to be able to stay cool during hunts than it was to stay warm when we're sedentary. And if you know anything about the great human migration, you know that humans originated from the cooler forests of Eastern Africa, and then they expanded out to the much hotter grasslands of the African savanna mm -hmm. and the Middle East. Oh. And that's why uh, it was more necessary for humans of that time to lose their body hair because okay. it was just too hot. Right. And finally, hair helps with mating and attraction. And in a nutshell, hair contains some information on the health of an individual. Oh. If it's like long, thick, and shiny, that's yeah. an indication of good health and right. hormonal balance. Right. Whereas hair that's thin and dull is an indication of poor health. Whoa. But perhaps it's actually our lack of hair that's played a larger role in human sexuality. Yeah. So we already established that hair is energy intensive. Uh, then perhaps this meant that those with less body hair were more efficient with the resources they consumed. Oh. So less hairy individuals, they don't need to eat as much or drink as much water as their hairier counterparts. And this would obviously be a plus if uh, you lived in a forest or in the wild where food and water could be scarce. Right, right. Humans also have pretty thin skin to the point where they're semi-translucent. They're not like right. solid, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can see through them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this means that you can see another person's blood flow, especially around the face. Oh, interesting. A pale face could mean fear or illness, and more of a blush could mean uh, attraction or embarrassment and right. many other things. So imagine if we had hair there instead. Right. We wouldn't be able to see the changes mm. in blood flow or the changes mm. in color, and that's just that much less information mm. that we get from looking at other right. people's right. faces right. 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 that we would have gotten otherwise if oh. it was bald, right? So that's why you're growing your facial hair. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anyone to know what I'm feeling. Yeah, wow. yeah, I'm going to be mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> so reading emotion is obviously something <clears throat> extremely important to humans. Mm -hmm. 
And if we had hair covering our faces, maybe we'd be less successful with our mating. Oh. Yeah, and attraction. So, yeah, that's that, man. That's my topic on hair. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was very informal. I like that. Yeah. All right. So my question slash topic for this week was how exactly are mountains formed? Tell me. And what are the different types of mountains? Tectonic plates, right? Mm, right. That's right. Did I say it? That's right. Mm, that's they right. just rub and rub. Basically. Yeah. Just like some ribs. Just, ribs. just rub it, rub it. Just like ribs. Just like some ribs, man. Dry yeah. rub ribs. You tried that? It's good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. good. Tasty. Okay. Well, before we dive into that, before we dive into tectonic plates and whatever that is, we need to define what a mountain is. Me, bro. We all know how to visualize. <laughs> Did you just say me? Yeah. <laughs> You're huge. We all know how to visualize, identify, and without much thought, just like know what a mountain is. But if I were to ask you, hey, what's a mountain? How would you actually define it? Ooh, it's a mass of land where the peak is of a much higher elevation okay, than yeah. sea level. <laughs> oh, sea level specifically. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you hit some. You hit some of the criteria. Yeah, I had some good points. Right, like, honestly, is it a, is it a hill, like we talked about before? Is it a really tall hill? Does it have a peak, like you said? Can it have a flat top? Does it have to be elevated? You know, so so many questions. Yeah, so many questions. Ah. Right. Well, unfortunately, what? there isn't an actual universally accepted definition for a mountain. Really? That seems like such a basic thing. I know, thing. right? I was surprised too. So the US Board of Geographic Names once held the position that a mountain had a local relief of a thousand feet, but it was abandoned in 1970 because they couldn't come to a consensus. The Ordnance Survey, a geographical mapping agency in the UK, defines a mountain as having a minimum height of 2,000 feet. Is that relative to just like wherever the ground level is on the yeah, base of the mountain? Yeah, surra their surrounding area. Ah, okay. For some people, such as Roderick Peaty, a geographer who published this book or article, I guess, called Mountain Geography, argued that mountains shouldn't just be measured quantitatively, but also by their quality. Oh my gosh. He argued mountains should be impressive, <laughs> that they should, quote, enter into the imagination of the people that live in their shadows, oh end my, quote. What a hippie. And thought they should be evaluated by their uniqueness and the role they play in their local community. What, what does that have to do with determining if something's a mountain or not? I, don't know. I like... think he was in the wrong profession or he was just on drugs <laughs> or something. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, anyways, what we do know is that mountains are naturally elevated, like you said, uh -huh. rising higher than its surroundings and reaching a particular altitude. There's also a certain steepness that is involved. With that in mind, let's talk about how these mountains are formed or appear. Yeah, tectonic Yeah, plates. tectonic plate. And not like the dance tectonic. That was like a thing. You know what I'm talking about? No, I'm so what? like out of the loop. What? Okay, well, from like, I think like 2006 to like 2011, there was like, when you went raving, not that I've ever been, but you should know this, man. But in high school, you I did You like have glow sticks like in your fingers and you like... It's called the tectonic, you know, if you type in oh, YouTube, tectonic yeah, yeah, yeah. dancing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I thing. totally get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just didn't know that that was the name. Yeah, yeah that was actually I name. see, yeah, yeah. okay. <clears throat> okay, well, anyways, going exposing, back to how mountains exposing are Exposing my rave life. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. You can take that out. <laughs> Simply put, most mountains form because of the Earth's tectonic plates mm. colliding together. 
think of the tectonic plates as the Earth's skin. So without going too much into that topic, which is something I should definitely cover in the future, the Earth's skin slash outer layer slash crust is made up of multiple tectonic plates. Is this something that that guy, that same guy who said that culture, cultural significance matters? Like, is that the same guy saying the mountain's tectonic plates, it's their skin? It's just... No, no, I just, I just, <laughs> I'm just trying to help you visualize oh, it. Oh, <laughs> that's you trying to, okay, cool. I was like, Thanks, this guy. Man. Thanks, this man. This guy. <laughs> just trying to add some artistic twist. Gosh. Now, when these tectonic plates come together, their edges crumple together. Okay. Right? So think of a soda can, like an empty one. Okay. You crush it from top to bottom, right? And what ends up happening is some point, like some parts, some points. <laughs> I was going to say some points. I don't know why I fumbled up there. But um, some points of the can, they stick out and sharp and you have to be careful and whatever, right? Similarly, when the plates collide, some rocks get pushed into the air, creating a huge elevation. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so as cool as that may sound, mountains don't form overnight when no. i think of like collision or like like tectonic plates smashing i think like instant right yeah but something epic yeah but that's not the case for mountains mm. mountains are constantly being formed mm. because the plates that are beneath us are always moving granted it's not a lot only a couple centimeters like each year <sighs> mountains such as the himalayan mountains although the collision happened 55 million years ago is considered one of the newer mountains as they continue to have new formations getting higher each year. Wow. Yeah. Even Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, grows like four millimeters per year. Oh, so it's just getting harder and harder, yeah, eh? Yeah, so, yeah. like, that's, we gotta I think go. That's why people re, like, they go and they retry to climb it because it's like, oh, like, I gotta beat my previous climb. <laughs> By like 12 millimeters? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like, it's still measurable, right? So. That's lame. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Because you're risking your life to break a dumb record. And so many people have broken it already. So many mm. people have died. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Well, before when I mentioned the plates colliding to push the rocks upward, well, mm. that's actually just one way mountains are formed. Okay. Granted, it's the most common. Mm. Uh, these type of mountains are called fold mountains. Their range is gradual and um, they're stretched to elevation for thousands of kilometers. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Andes Mountains in South America spans over 7,000 kilometers, crossing over six countries. The Himalayan Mountains, which I also mentioned, are also a type of fold mountain where Eurasian and the Indian plates collided, which is also a reason why unfortunately earthquakes can happen. Mm. Uh, usually the collision is gradual, but sometimes the rocks on the edges break off, get caught, preventing the plates to move. As pressure continues to build and build, enough stress, stress builds up. And then when the plates can't handle it, it releases a huge amount of energy causing what we know as earthquakes. Uh, I, I, you know, that sounds really cool, but I'm having a hard time just picturing that. Cause it's like, so there's, there's what rocks stuck in, in the way of like the tectonic yeah, so, plates. Um, and... Have you ever gotten like two, have you ever gotten like a styrofoam ball or like a block and ripped it in half? Yeah. And then if you put it together and try rubbing it, it like gets stuck, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. think of an earthquake as a release of that. Oh, that friction and then it happens up. all at once. Yeah, all at of? once. Uh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy. It's pretty um, cool, right? Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the first type of mountain, the mm. full mountain. Cool. The second type of mountain, or I guess another type, are called volcanic mountains. This one you can guess by the name. 
so plates sometimes subduct under one another mm -hmm. so if you have two plates they don't necessarily collide but one plate kind of shifts under the other gotcha when this happens the magma which is actually not hot enough to, to melt the tectonic plates tectonic plates are also like 60 to 70 kilometers thick which is why they don't melt oh no way the magma gradually gets pushed up to the surface when the magma reaches the surface it is now called lava and it spews out and as it continues to spew out it cools down and then it hardens over time and that's how you get a volcanic volcanic oh, mountain Sorry. okay so the plates they slide underneath one another yeah and then it i guess when it does that it creates a gap it cre and so uh, there is magma resting on top of the tectonic plate when the tectonic plate goes under it pushes the magma to come up oh to I the see. surface ah okay okay yeah. i didn't know that I, yeah. I thought tectonic plates were above the magma because it's super thick and there's multiple layers to a, a tectonic plate it's not just one thing gotcha yeah, yeah. oh i'm learning so much about yeah. tectonic plates okay i'm glad <laughs> yeah i'm glad uh, so that's how volcanic mountains are formed mm. Another type of mountain is called the block mountain. Okay. This is where there's a crack or what geologists call a fault in the Earth's crust. So the crack allows for the rocks to drift past one another in a vertical or downward or even a diagonal fashion. So think of it, think of holding a hamburger in both hands, mm, like a full hamburger. Yummy. Yeah, I know, right? I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> now make a vertical diagonal cut from your left index finger to your left thumb. And same with your right index finger to your right thumb. Okay. So now you'll have three pieces. Uh-huh. Right? Now, if you pull apart the pieces that are in your hand, the middle piece will sag. Yeah. That's how you get a block mountain. If you were to push them, obviously a burger is too soft to do that, but if you were to push something that was solid, the middle piece would rise. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the middle piece. So because they're pushing, that's why it rises, it rises. Instead, of, instead of sagging. Yeah. But mm. if... But in most scenarios, mountains, they drift apart, and then the, the middle one that's supported by the two actually sags. Oh, and then it's those two pieces yeah. on the outside that are the block mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I see. And the middle land is kind of just like flat earth yeah. that kind of went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I Basically, see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. So that's a block mountain. And finally, the last mountain, it wouldn't be really considered a mountain, but they call it a plateau mountain. A what mountain? Uh, a plateau. Uh, I say plateau. Plateau. Yeah, plateau. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it French? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. Um, but it's formed differently. So rather uh, focusing on or emphasizing like the elevation, how it works is that a plateau will have like a lake or a river on it that carves it. And over time, this body of water like sags the land. But any part of the land that isn't eroded by the water and is still standing is considered a plateau mountain. Mm, yeah, I could see that being a little bit of like cheating almost. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's not as cool as the other ones, but you have to give it props for its endurance, perseverance skills, <laughs> you know, for sticking with yeah. it. Aww. Yeah. And so there, there you have it. That's a basic rundown of how mountains are formed and the different types of mountains. Yeah. You know what? I... I like these definitions of those mountains. Yeah. And I think like if a mountain fits any of those descriptions or fits into any of those categories, mm -hmm. it should just be called a mountain. Like forget that guy who's like... Oh, I, I kind of uh, liked it though. I, I, for all the people that are like high on drugs and, um, you know, just are into art, I think would appreciate this guy. What is a mountain though? What is earth? <laughs> 
What did he say? I'm gonna say it again. It was so good. They need to enter into the imagination of the people that live in their shadows. Wow. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds cool. Dang. I want what he's having. Mm. Yeah. All right. Thanks. That was cool, man. Yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. And if you listen all the way to the end, then we are super grateful. We appreciate you so much. If you have topics that you want us to cover ever, like our friend Jen, you can hit us up at ihadnoidea.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow us on Instagram. We have cute little designs made by our beloved friend Rachel at ihadnoidea.podcast. We're going to see some hairy mountains on Instagram. Mm, yeah. Mm. Are you, you're, you're going you're gonna to sketch that up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to sketch I can do it. I can do You got it. All right. Well, um, if you had no idea... Now, now you, you do. do. That sketch is going to blow the minds of the shadows of the future <laughs> generations. <laughs>